The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hi, everybody. My name is Jonathan Simeone. I want to welcome you all to the latest episode of the Demand Our Access podcast. Uh, I want to thank Holly and Nikki for working with me today. I want to thank ACB Community for allowing me to put the podcast on on the first and third Saturdays of each month at 2 p.m. Eastern. And um, so we're, we understand uh, the after today, we will have a two-week break because there are five Saturdays in October, or excuse me, in September. So after today, our next episode will be Saturday, October 7th at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Um, if you have ideas for what we should cover on the next podcast episode, I'd love to hear them. You can reach me at jonathan at demandouraccess.com, or you can fill out the contact form at demandouraccess.com. Today's topic is going to be more information about the proposed Department of Justice rule on what it means to have web accessibility under Title II of the Americans with Disabilities Act. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play a um, about an 11-minute recording on how to actually comment, and I will walk through posting and submitting a comment myself in the recording. Uh, then I will see if we have any questions or comments about the process of submitting a comment. Um, and then after that, I'm going to discuss some of the comments uh, that I have submitted myself. And if any of you have submitted comments, I would uh, really like to hear those. Or if you're planning on submitting, um, I, I'd be very interested in uh, any and all feedback like that that folks may want to share. So uh, for now, I will um, mute myself and I will begin sharing the presentation in just a moment. Screen sharing meeting controls. You have started screen share. Press F6 to switch with me. Windows media layer layer. To exit full screen mode. Press ESC or double click to exit full screen mode. Now I'm going to demonstrate how to comment on the Department of Justice's proposed rule for web accessibility under Title II of the Americans with Disabilities Act. Um, in case it helps, I'm doing this with the latest version of JAWS 2023. I'm using the Brave web browser. I have tested this with the Firefox web browser and I've been able to do there as well. I have slowed the speech down to about 40 or 41. I hope that is sufficient to come through uh, in the recording. I also want to let you know that rather than making you sit through me typing the text of my comment, 
um, I have written it out in Word and pasted it to the clipboard. So when I get to the form, I'm just going to paste my comment into the form. And what I have discovered is that when I do that, JAWS will automatically read the text that I've added to the form. And so once I do that, you will hear the um, text of my comment. I'm going to stop the speech before the end of the entire comment because I've added a few links in parentheses at the end that I'm sure nobody wants to sit through. Um, and so I'm going to stop the speech before we get to that point. But you will hear the uh, entire substance of my comment. Uh, I'm currently on the page on regulations.gov where the comments go. This is not the easiest page to find, so in order to save us time, I'm starting there. If you want to comment yourself, you can go to the episode related to this podcast on the Demand Our Access website, and you can find the link in that episode. It should um, take you right to this page where I am now. So to begin the demonstration, I'm just going to make sure I'm at the top of the page with Control Home. Regulations.gov. And I am. I'm going to hit down arrow just to give you a flavor of what's on this page. An official website of the United States government. U.S. flag signifying that this is a United States federal government website graphic. So you know we're on a good page, at least. We're not going to be spammed here. Same page link, skip the main content. Navigation region, link graphic regulations.gov branding. List of one item, link support. List end. Navigation region end. Comment period ends 18 days. So the comment period for the rule ends on midnight Eastern time on October 3rd. And so I'm recording this 18 days before the recording or the date to comment comes up. You are commenting on the proposed rule by the Department of Justice. Visit at heading level 2 linking on discrimination on the basis of disability, accessibility of web information and services of state and local government entities. Great. So that tells us where we are, that we're in the right place. I'm going to keep hitting down arrow. Main region. Heading level 1 write a comment. Visit at link commenters checklist. Separator. Heading level 3 comment star. Start typing comment here. Required edit. Placeholder start typing comment here dot dot dot. Now, I could hit enter and go into forms mode and paste my comment here, but I'm not going to because I learned this only after I started commenting. So I'm going to hit the down arrow so you can uh, understand what I'm talking about. You can't leave this field blank 5,000 characters remaining. So there is a character limit. It's pretty hard. Um, as you'll see, I don't even come close to meeting it here. But there is a character limit, and you don't find that out until you leave the form field. So I want to make that clear. I'm going to hit the up arrow to go back to the edit field. Required edit. Please hold or start typing comment here dot dot dot. I'm just going to hit enter to go into forms mode. Enter comment star start typing comment here edit required. Please hold or start typing comment here dot dot dot. I'm going to hit control V and this will paste in my comment and JAWS should start reading my comment to us. 
Comment star star type in comment here. The final rule must ensure that state and local governments understand that adding so-called accessibility overlays does not mean sites and slasher pages comply with the rule or result in accessible websites. As a blind person who navigates the web with a screen reader, I hate websites that use so-called accessibility overlays. They don't work well. They make everything load slower. They don't behave consistently. They have different levels of capability. Most importantly, they give site owners and creators the false idea that their site is accessible. Overlays do not ensure PDFs, PowerPoints, visual representations, and more ways of providing information on the web are accessible when that information is uploaded to websites as downloadable content or content designed to open in another window or tab. Overlays also do nothing about third-party portals and other external content that state and local governments require you to use to access their activities, programs, and services. My water company has a so-called accessibility overlay on their site. I can't pay my bill online without guessing at where information is to be entered because the third-party portal they use is not accessible. I find their payment portal so aggravating that I call to pay my bill and sacrifice the convenience of online payment options available to their customers who do not use screen readers. When I encounter a site with a so-called accessibility overlay, I know the site's owners and creators aren't really interested in providing me as a disabled person the integrated web experience mandate by Title II. Unless the final rule clarifies that so-called accessibility overlays do not provide compliance, I'm afraid many state and local governments will use overlays instead of doing what the law expects and updating their sites so that those of us with disabilities have the same integrated user experience as do people without disabilities. In the process, many more aspects of doing business with local governments may become more inaccessible or fail to result in the accessibility changes hoped for through the promulgation of this rule. The Rocky Mountain ADA... I'm just hitting control there because the Rocky Mountain ADA Center is one of the links that I have and I'm going to save us from having to listen to um, JAWS read lengthy web addresses. So my comment is in there. Um, I know it's well under the 5,000 character limit, so I'm just going to hit tab and continue through the form. Clear comment link. Browse dot 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 button to activate press enter. Now the browse button is there because you can attach files to your comments if you want to. Um, I did not in this case. Um, but I did look at the comment attachment process, or the file attachment process, and it is accessible. So if you want to do that, it opens a standard browse uh, file dialog box where you can select your folders and then select the file you want to attach. I'm just going to hit tab to keep going through the form. Email address edit, Jonathan at demandaurexis.com, type and take. <laughs> My email address I already put in here to save myself some time. And I'm using the Jonathan at demandrxs.com email address, and um, you'll learn more about why before we finish. I'm just going to hit tab again. Opt to receive email confirmation of submission and tracking number. We will never post on regulations.gov or share your email with anyone else. Checkbox checked. The clear checkmark press space bar. And I have already checked this box because I do like to know the status of my comments. I think this is the fifth comment I'm putting up on this rule. I'm going to hit tab again. Tell us about yourself. I am dot 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 star contains text. And uh, I'm going to hit tab again. An individual, if you were another single person, is the author radio button check required. One of three to change the selection, press up or down arrow. So I chose individual because I am a person. I'm not commenting on behalf of my employer or anything else. There are three options here. Individual that I have checked. Um, organizational, so if you're posting the comment on behalf of an organization. Or anonymous. Um, you can post anonymously if that's something that you... Uh, prefer. You can just check the third option. I'm going to hit tab again. First name edit required as pop-up. Jonathan, type and text. And that's my name. Last name edit required as pop-up. Simeon, type and text. And that's my last name. City edit as pop-up. Type and text. I'm not filling in my city. Combo box, Oregon. To change the selection. I the have LP. filled in my home state of Oregon. Zip edit as pop-up. Type and text. And I'm not giving them my zip code. Combo box, United States. To change the selection, use the arrow keys. Phone edit has pop-up, type and text. I'm not giving them my phone number. Recapture group. Re now I'm going to hit 
the control key to stop JAWS, and I'm going to come out of Forms mode here. Virtual PC. This is a reCAPTCHA thing, and once you check this, you have a, a limited, uh, very short amount of time to hit the Submit button. So I'm not going to check that now. I want to down arrow because there's some other things I want you to hear here before I submit this comment. Link privacy. Link terms. Group and reCAPTCHA. You can't leave this field blank. Do not submit personally identifiable information through this form. Any personally identifiable information e.g. name, address, phone number included. In the comment form or in an attachment may be publicly disclosed in the docket or on the internet via regulations.gov, a federal agency website, or a third party. Non-government website with access to publicly disclosed data on regulations.gov. By submitting a comment, you agree to the link terms of participation and link privacy notice. Please correct all errors in order to proceed. The errors I have, I believe, are related to my not checking the CAPTCHA box, but that's something that it totally should be telling us, um, and it's not. But that being said, um, I wanted you to hear that so you understand why I didn't put my address, why I didn't put a private email address, um, why I didn't put my phone number in this form. Those are personal choices, but I wanted you to know if you do disclose that information, there is a chance that some people in the public sphere will be able to access um, that information. I don't believe they will disclose your email address because they do say if you ask for the status updates on your comments, they don't. Um, but your name, your address, your phone number, all of that maybe is potentially um, reachable and your email address may be as well so I wanted folks to be aware of that. I'm gonna just hit shift F now to see if I can go back in my forms fields here. Recapture group. I'm not a robot. And I'm gonna hit the space bar to check this. Space I'm not a robot privacy terms group privacy terms recapture group I'm not a robot checkbox check to clear check my now I'm space gonna bar. hit my B to try to go to submit. Submit comment button. And I'm gonna hit space. Space, submit comment button to activate presenter. Regulations.gov document. Submitted successfully. Your comment has been sent for review. This process is dependent on agency public submission policy slash procedures and processing times. Once the agency has posted your comment, you may view it on regulations.gov using your comment tracking number. Comment tracking number. I'm going to stop that because you don't need my comment tracking number and it's not going to make sense with JAWS anyway. So that is the whole process for commenting on this rule. The good news is commenting on any rule promulgated by the federal government pretty much operates the same way. So if the rule is promulgated by the Department of Health and Sur Human Services or FEMA or the IRS or anyone else, the process is pretty much what we have just gone through here. I really hope that some of you will try your hand at commenting on this rule. I think it's really important that many of us do. I would love to hear from you if you do comment um, and want to share your comments with me and perhaps with the audience for the podcast. I would love that if you do want to contact me about your experiences. Again, it's Jonathan at DemandOurAccess.com and Jonathan is J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N. Um, and you can also use the contact form on demandouraccess.com. So that concludes our demonstration of how to comment on the proposed web accessibility rule under Title II of the ADA. Hey, I am back now, um, and I want to see um, if we have any questions.
questions about comments. Can you hear me? Yes, just a second. Okay. Uh, Sharon was supposed to talk and she's gone now, so I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Okay. Um, I will give it another minute because I did see that there was a raised hand. So yeah. Um, so I want to I just want to remind people the if you're interested in commenting, the deadline is October 3rd at midnight Eastern time. Um, so that's that's the deadline to post comments. Uh, the, raised hand. Oh, I see the hand. Raised hand. Oh, I got her. Sharon is here. Uh, unmute Sharon. It's your time to shine. Yes. Okay. I I'm sorry. Somehow I got kicked off when I tried to raise my hand the last time. Uh, hi, Jonathan. Thank you very much for this. I'm with Bay State Council of the Blind, and we are in the process of formulating some comments. Um, about this rulemaking and um, it, the comments, the way you presented how to do it was very clear. So I appreciate that. Um, the one question I wanted to ask about is what you meant by overlays. Um, what I mean by overlays is the third party widgets, basically that people add to their website, like XSEB, um there are a bunch of them um that different companies use that give you like a an optimize for screen reader use button or something like that oh um, yeah, yeah, all, yeah okay they okay. all go by different names so okay. I, I can't say how they all work um but we see them becoming more and more popular um by web developers and what i'm trying to Address with my comment, um, and it would be great if uh, BSCB or anyone else right, wants to join right. the party and comment right. about those things too. Because what I'm afraid of, honestly, is that people are going to get this final rule and they're going to say, No problem, we're just going to add these widgets and we'll be done. They'll call it a day. We have an accessible site now, we've added our widget. Um, and I think all of us who use assistive technology know how inadequate that really is. Correct. And that's why in my comment, I pointed out my experience with my water bill, where my company has one of these things, but then to pay your bill, they send you off to a third party um, and you can't actually use it. So you the main right. the main functions that you want to do <laughs> on the water company's website are not accessible, even though they but they think they're done, right? They think, oh, right. we added our widget. And that's if if th that is not addressed, I'm afraid a lot of government entities are going to do the same thing. I, I will definitely pass on this uh, to the person who's drafting our comments because I think it's a great, great comment. Thank you. You're welcome. And thank you. I, I hope more folks follow BSCB's lead and uh, share comments. Uh, do we have any other raised No, No, hands? sir. There's no more hands at this time. Mm -hmm. Do we have anyone in Clubhouse? Not right now. We do not. Let me make sure. Nope. Okay. Um, 
Yes. If if you get cans in Clubhouse, uh, just I'll raise uh, it. Nikki, I'll just raise, raise your hand. hand, okay? I will. Thanks. Okay, that works. Um, so what I'm going to do now is I want to discuss some of the other comments that I have posted. Uh, and I want to be clear about this. Just because I have posted or someone else has posted a comment, uh, it should not prevent you from posting any comments you would like to share about any of these topics. The more feedback they get about certain issues, the better. So um, just because I'm mentioning something here or you see something else when you review the comments yourself, uh, please know that that should not deter you at all from sharing your feedback. The more feedback, the better. Um, so I want to go through some of what I have put up. I, I did, we just did hear the submission about uh, about the accessibility overlays uh, and thanks to Sharon's um, question. We got to walk through that a little bit. Um, another thing that I spoke about was the inequitability of the WCAG development process. Uh, I've talked about this a few other times during the podcast, so I'm not going to belabor it here. Uh, but I think it's really important for the Department of Justice to think about the reality that WCAG is not led by people with disabilities. In fact, there is very little meaningful input from the disability community. It is really um, a large corporation standard. Um, and I, I just don't think it's equitable. I don't think it's right. And so relying on um, WCAG as a standalone to define compliance is a really bad idea, especially because you know, they're adopting version 2.1 AA and uh, version 2.2 will be the official standard uh, probably even before this rule is finalized. And so unless they have a more creative way of implementing WCAG through the rule, there won't be a way um, to keep the compliance standard up to date. In fact, it could be out of date as soon as the rule is finalized, which is really a bad thing because updating rules like this, whether we like it or not, is a political process. And so there's a very real danger that if they specifically adopt WCAG 2.1 level AA, that the rule won't be updated again for like five to 10 years. Uh, and I think we all know at the pace in which technology moves, uh, this will be totally inadequate 10 years from now in very su substantial ways. So I really hope that that's something other folks will bring to their attention and that they will address. Another comment that I talked about is the over-reliance um, really of everyone, but in this case, we're talking about state and local governments on presenting information um, through largely visual means of representation. So what I'm talking about are 
is presenting information through maps or through data visualizations like Tableau or Power BI, those kinds of things. And there are, those things are very, have very limited to little accessibility. And they are becoming far more prevalent. Um, my employer uses them a lot. Uh, I Every state and local government I'm aware of uses them a lot. Um, and there's a real, um, and I'm not even exaggerating here, and I did cover this in my comment as well. Um, there's a potential that people could suffer serious injury or die if this continues. And the reason I say that is this. When they communicate, say, emergency information via maps, and I'll give an example of this. A couple of years ago, we had serious wildfires in the area. And they were issuing evacuations. And they were telling people <laughs> when to evacuate or what your level of evacuation preparedness should be based on a map. And so if you can't read the map, you have no idea what your level of evacuation is. And if you were at level three and you were supposed to evacuate and you don't know that, you literally could die. Now, that's, of course, an extreme situation, but it's really worth thinking about and preparing for how is this going to work. And how is a rule like this supposed to address methods of communication that are largely visual in nature? And, you know, I think we need to really look at, in both of these issues, the data visualization and not adopting WCAG as the, the be-all and end-all of compliance with the rule is what is the role of native users of assistive technologies gonna be? I really hope folks will comment and tell them the rule has to call for use of native users of assistive technology in determining whether something is compliant and usable, especially when the communication we're talking about is serious, critical information that people have to have. The reason I say that is that, uh, you know, things can conform to the WCAG standards, especially when tested by automated artificial intelligent testing tools that are not at all accessible or usable. Um, and, you know, a, a, a silly example of this, but one that I definitely have seen and, and I think we will see in greater prevalence when this rule is finalized is a situation like this, where, uh, again, they post information and they say, if you live in this area in, you know, painted in blue on the map, you have a water boil notice, meaning you have to boil your your water because it's contaminated with something. Well, if you can't tell if your 
waters and if your area is in your home is in the blue area, you got a big problem. But more so if all you get from the alt text is graphic of water boil notice. Okay. That would pass the automated checkers. It would give you absolutely none of the information you need, but it would technically be compliant with the automated checkers. And that's why forcing people to follow the law, both the spirit of the law and the technicalities of the law, and effectively communicate with us is absolutely critical. And if the Department of Justice does not address visual means of communication, it does not create a way for the standards to evolve under the rule, and it does not call for native testers, native users of assistive technologies, um, it's not going to fulfill its promise. It's just not going to provide nearly as much accessibility as it could with those um, additions to the rule um, and in clarifications that are not part of the existing rule. Um, and with that, I want to pause and, and give folks a minute to see if anyone has any questions or comments. Um, again, I would love to hear uh, any anything you're planning to submit. Um, and I'm just going to give it a minute to give folks a chance to raise their hand. If no one has any comments, I will uh, continue on um, giving. Some... Raised hand. Oh, oh, here comes our Sharon again. <laughs> Unmute yourself, darling. <laughs> okay. Well, um, we, this is very interesting, Jonathan, about these emergency things, and we'll add this. We focused in our last session a lot on colleges and universities and, and education um, and how so many of the courses are not accessible and the Justice Department is not requiring them to be made accessible unless a blind student enters, which puts a tremendous burden on the student. Um, especially in the first weeks while they're trying to retroactively make it accessible. So that's an area that we're looking at right now. I, I do appreciate that. And I, I do hope more folks will raise things like this. I will say in the rule, um, the way it is now, and again, it's, it is totally subject to change, which is why commenting is so critical. Mm -hmm. um, but what they're talking about now is that if you register and you're blind and you need accessibility, and one thing I want to add that is great as well is it also calls for accessibility if there is a blind parent. Yes. Um, even if the child does not need that accommodation, I think mm -hmm. that is a big, big thing uh, as a blind person and now uh, as as a as a stepfather, I think that is a, a really big deal. Um, but uh, where the rule, I think, is, as you say, it doesn't mandate all coursework be accessible. 
Um, and if someone registers after the start of the term, they have five days, I think it is five business days to make the material accessible. Um, I totally understand the point that all stuff should be accessible. And honestly, I think this is part of the problem with the ADA in general is that it requires us to ask for something or to complain about something mm -hmm. before the law is followed. Whereas yep. what you're saying is true. Like if all stuff was just accessible, then people could register for any class when they want to. They wouldn't have to deal with the barriers. Uh, so, so quick story, I'm interested in learning Spanish. So I contacted my local community college uh, about enrolling in, a, in an online Spanish class. In order for me to do that, I can't just go to the class and have it be accessible. I have to fill out a you know form attesting to my status as a person with a disability. I have to then get some paperwork signed by someone, a doctor or a rehab counselor or someone else to say that I am a person with a qualifying disability. And so these are steps that I have to go through only because I'm a person with a disability, not because uh, uh, I want to take the course. So I have more of a burden than other people who don't who want to take the course just because I have a disability. Um, and I think these are things that they need to hear. Um, that the to really reach its potential, the law has to stop putting the onus entirely on people with disabilities. At some point, society really has to commit to being an accessible, inclusive society. And we're never going to get there as Hold long as we are forcing people to uh, not only request things, but then prove they're entitled to them at every stop along the train. So I thank you for that, Sharon. I hope BSCB submits that. Um, and just talking with you about it, I may submit my story about the Spanish class as well. So, uh, so thank you very much. Now we have Nolan Parrish. Okay. Hello, Nolan. Unmute yourself, Nolan. Thank you for allowing me to participate. Um, I, I have a very similar concern regarding the um like web accessibility and or the and the mobile app uh, accessibility also um my concern relates to a third party application i'm using for a podcast that I run. And I was in contact with them through uh, it was a Spotify I was reached out okay, to. Okay. 
So, so Nolan, the rule we're talking about today only covers state and local governments. Okay, um, sorry. It does, I didn't yeah, realize okay. that, sorry. It, you know, no problem. It does not cover Spotify. Um, it does not cover any other business or um, that's a shame on, in my view. Um, I think it should. Um, clearly, we need businesses uh, to be covered under Title III. Um, but it, it doesn't go that far. Um, this rule will do nothing to address business websites. Uh, my hope is that when this rule comes out and people have a couple years to adapt to it, that they will extend it or something like it to the Title III commercial space. Um, but sadly, they are not addressing um, anything beyond state or local governments with this rule. No more hands, sir. Okay. Um, so um, I want to give folks, because we have some more time left on the show, so I want to give uh, folks a, a little more time. Um, if anyone has any other thoughts or comments about rules they or their uh, ACB affiliate or um, somebody like that. Yes. May I make a suggestion? A, a question? A suggestion? Have you looked yeah. into the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration or the National Weather Service? They have they have lots of stuff that they do to make like evacuations and stuff work. Yeah, I mean, I know some agencies have done it um but the the issue for us with this is that at the state and local level people aren't doing that and yes. that's and that's what i'm afraid of is and because as you as you rightly point out there are ways of doing it there are ways of providing this stuff accessibly uh the problem is far too often it's not being provided accessibly so is the federal um, government in a different section of this? The the federal government is covered by Section 508. Um, and so... Uh, oh, so it's five, not the same. I didn't know it's that. It's not the same. Yeah. Section, so Section 508 has already adopted WCAG 2.1, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the federal government compliance is actually ahead of what the Department of Justice is calling for uh, for state and local governments here. So, um, so that's wow. that's part of the reason why some federal agencies are doing better. Uh, but yeah. so 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 that's what what I'm trying to get at is the only reason a lot of the local emergency stuff is not accessible is because people aren't making it accessible. Yes, that's just criminal. No, and I'm yeah. going to take my I'm going to take my stupidosity and go crawl back in the weeds. Thank you. <laughs> There's no hands at this time. Oh, I thought I heard one, but uh, star, 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 is lowered hand. Oh, oh, yeah, lower. star, star, you star, star, you put your hand up one one thousand five hundred five. Yeah, you can talk. Hello, thank you for taking my call. This is a great presentation. This is Jane Perry calling from Falmouth, Massachusetts on Cape Cod. And Sharon, hello. It's always nice and a pleasure to have Sharon as my friend and fellow advocate. 
and I also am member of the Bay State Council for the Blind. Prior to this meeting that she talked about, we had a meeting before that about, because um, we are going to be sending some comments, um, about municipal um, websites. My question to you is, could you repeat and clarify, which I'm sure the person who is going to be sending it knows this, but anyways, is there a length of the document that has to that can be sent, and does that include attaching files, which probably will be examples? So each comment, each specific comment must be 5,000 characters or less. However, you can attach files. Uh, I think you can attach up to 20 different files to each comment. Uh, and to my knowledge, there is not a size limitation on the file uh, attachments. I will say this. Uh, if you're sending comments, and this is just my view, um, it's not written down anywhere, it's just my thought. Um, I have submitted uh, five, I think, five different comments. I did not put all my thoughts in one submission. And the reason okay. is the reason is that I want to keep them short enough so that people will actually read them. We all know okay. with people's attention spans and things, the longer it is, the less likely it's actually going to be read. So my view, and no, no, this is again, there's there's no rule here, is that if if like BSCB wanted to comment on the the school issue, I would make that one comment. If BSCB okay. wanted to comment on uh, the WCAG as the only method of compliance, I would make that a separate comment. So what you can do is put them all in a Word file, so you organize them in one place, and then just simply copy them, as I did here, paste them into different submissions. Um, but again, you you do not have to do that. But if you put them all in one comment, um, it has to be 5,000 characters or less, With and then you can attach things. But okay, again, so what, you're, that, so what you're saying is we as an organization could send more than one comment. Absolutely, yes. Thank you very much. And, this has been and very that, interesting. And, and that is what uh, that is how I would personally recommend doing it. But that is just okay. my style and my preference. It's not at all required. Okay. Do we have anyone else? I not don't... at this time. Okay. So, so is this a podcast? Do we get this off that off of your website, or where do we go uh, to get the podcast? That so the demandouraccess.com is the website, mm -hmm. and I have I put up all of the pre recorded presentations, plus, I just all of the comments that I've posted, I believe all of them mm -hmm. uh, are on the website now as posts, so you can read all the different comments that I've submitted. Um, uh, and you can sign up for the podcast and download it into your favorite podcatcher like apple music we're on google i think it's on spotify now um so there are many ways to interact with the show and with the content uh, with the content 
Um, the podcast that, that we played today, um, I hope to have that one up um, by the end of the weekend. Um, you can also subscribe to the blog so that every time I post something new um, that comes to your email, um, a notification about it. Um, and I, I appreciate you asking <laughs> because it gives me a chance to say that stuff for all the new people. So, Well, I'm uh, the host and I'm not supposed to talk, but I just wanted to know. <laughs> well, um, we have well, no more hands at this time, sir. Okay. So with that, I want to cover just a few more uh, points. Give me just a second here. Okay, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't overrunning time. Um, so I want to cover just a few more uh, things that folks may want to think about as they contemplate their own comment submissions. Uh, and if anyone does have any thoughts uh, while I'm talking, please uh, feel free to raise your hand. Um, I don't consider it interruption at all. Um, this is, I hope, an interactive process. I want as much uh, community feedback um, and input as possible. We are on ACB community for a reason. So uh, please feel free to participate um, if you so choose. So um, just as a way of recapping, in case we got some new people, I'm not going to say everything again. But so far, uh, I have commented about the data visualizations on the web and maps. I've commented about the uh, over-reliance on WCAG as a compliance standard. Uh, I commented, uh, as we heard today, about the accessibility overlays. Um, and uh, I also commented about how we are going to make sure what happens, for example, when something can't be made accessible. It just can't for whatever reason. Uh, what is the rule going to do? What process is it going to require um, local governments to establish? So let's look at that through an example. So let's say uh, an agency has uh, something on the website and it, it came through a vendor and it's uh, one of these visual representation things and it's giving data about uh, people who pay taxes in the community and it can't be made accessible. But let's say you really need that information. You're doing a college research paper or you want to make a presentation to city council or whatever your reason is. Uh, and this is a bit of a wonky example, I realize, but the, the content of my example doesn't matter. What matters is this. If the local government determines that giving you that in a completely accessible format would rise to an undue burden or would fundamentally alter the nature of their services and programs. Now, again, you could challenge that because I don't really think it would, but rather than winding up in a fight over that, what is the accommodation they are going to provide you if they make that determination? That's where I think we really have to look at what is the rule 
going to say, if we're going to not force everything to be accessible, which they are, we talked about that earlier through the lens of school courses. If the Department of Justice is going to not mandate universal complete accessibility, what is the process when that does not happen? Um, Because if the less guidance there is, the more onerous, the more burdensome the process will be. Even more difficult, I think, is the more uh, different the process will be, not only from community to community, but different agencies within the community. Like one of the things we have here that's a major problem is that all of the bureaus have slightly different processes for how some of this works. Uh, We're trying to get a handle on that, but we aren't there yet. And my guess is just sticking with uh, Massachusetts, uh, you know, that if you contacted agencies in Boston, if you contacted three or four different agencies that are a part of the Boston government, you may get completely different responses as to how you get an accommodation. And if you're the person with a disability, that puts a tremendous burden on you to understand how not only your government works, but how maybe 25 different entities in your government work, depending on what you're trying to do. And so my hope is that a final version of this rule will talk very clearly about how this rule interfaces with legal requirements like effective communication, where they have to provide communication that is as effective to people with disabilities as it is people without disabilities. We all know in so many instances that's not happening. So let's look at that through uh, another example. If you take the water boil notice, and it's a graphic, um, if they say, well, you can call this number and we'll explain the graphic to you, okay? So the water boil notice goes out Friday at 3 p.m. You get home at 8.30. You had a long day or whatever. Uh, Good luck. Good luck calling them at 8.30 p.m and getting clarification as to what that means. And so I think there needs to be a really hard look at how all of this stuff works together. I don't think the final rule can just address web accessibility without addressing effective communication and how the two are linked. Now, I think their argument would be, the government's argument would be, well, they're already supposed to be providing effective communication. That's fine, except we all know in many instances, they're really not doing that. And so as more and more services go online and are delivered through online platforms and portals, uh, we really need to, to figure out how all this stuff is going to be cohesive. Um, And the access to us has to be the same 
That's what effective communication requires. So their answer to inaccessible web content can't be call this number unless somehow that number is available to be answered 24 seven. Um, and, and that's something I think that the rule really uh, needs to consider and that it, the government is not really considering um, under the current version of the rule. Uh, I also want to say, because somebody did ask me this, and uh, when folks ask, I do like to give my best answer where and when I can. Uh, somebody asked me, when did I think the rule will be finalized? So I want to be clear about this. This is total speculation on my part. I have no inside knowledge. That being said, I do believe the final version of the rule will be out prior to the presidential election. And I believe that because, and I, I'm not trying to be overly political, I'm just giving you my honest opinion, that if the presidential election results in a change in administration, the rule may not ever be finalized or not for years and years to come. So I think there is an incentive on the, on the part of the Department of Justice to finalize this prior to the presidential election next November. So um, if you're familiar with what happened with the public rights of way rule that took, you know, I think, think 10 or 12 years to finally be adopted, uh, nobody wants a repeat of that. So I personally do believe there will be a rule. I believe it will be finalized uh, by the November election. And if the timetables in the rule don't change, it will be fully um, applicable in three years to communities of 50, 000, of less than 50,000 people and uh, two years from the rule being adopted for communities of 50,000 or more. So uh, this is a great opportunity to comment because I really believe something is going to happen. But in addition to commenting, I also want to encourage folks to start engaging with their local governments now about the proposed rule uh, and telling them, hey, this is coming. This is what it says. What are you going to do to accommodate us? And then on the advocacy front, I really want folks to think about getting ready to have strategies as to how we can use this rule to enforce more compliance. Because I think we all know, uh, based on you know things we always talk about here, that implementation is going to be slow, um, that even though there will be a two to three year compliance date, depending on the size of government, um, I think we all know that when the compliance dates pass, many things will not comply. But this Excuse will me, give sir, us... it's, it's, it's almost 55 after. Yeah, I know. Okay, I just this want to make will, sure. This will, this will give us another tool, a stronger tool that we can use to make things more accessible faster. It is going to require us to file complaints. 
it is going to require us to advocate. Advocate. We know from history that just because there's a compliance date, it's not going to be followed in many instances. So figuring out what the final version says and how we can use that to our advantage in advocacy work is going to be a big feather in our cap. And we have a couple of years to get ready to use those tools. And I think we should be ready to come out swinging when that happens. Um, and with that, um, we are coming up against it. So I'll give it another minute to see if anybody wants to raise their hand. If not, I will thank uh, Holly and Nikki for their support today. Um, and I will thank ACB community again. And uh, I don't believe we have any raised hands. So uh, I think we can finish uh, a couple of minutes early. And thank you again for listening. We'll be back on October 7th at 2 p.m. Eastern.